0: Hope, sometimes I feel like we could use a little hope in our world. Hope is a feeling of expectation or desire for something specific to happen. It's interesting because research indicates that hope can help us manage stress and anxiety. If you feel a little stressful, a little anxious... You might just need a dose of hope. Viktor Frankl, he's an author and a psychiatrist and a Holocaust survivor, said this about what he noticed in the concentration camp that he was in. There was a simple sign. When a prisoner started smoking their cigarettes, it was only a few weeks until they would die. It wasn't that they were being treated differently or that the cigarettes affected them. It was just that the glimmer of a better life of something outside of the concentration camp would disappear and they would just sit by themselves and whatever allotment of cigarettes they had, they would just smoke them. Once hope Left them, they died. Hope is a crazy thing. I mean, you can be filled with hope and be filled with joy, and you feel like you can conquer the world if you get up in the morning and you're filled with this hope. It's a new day, you can take the world on. But if you lack hope, it's the hardest thing in the world to even get out of bed in the morning. Sadness, despair, even depression. If hope is extinguished, life is not too far behind. We are human beings, we are made to survive. We need to have a reason to live. Most of us have a reason to live. We have a reason to get up and eat and to work and to make a better day. But if something goes wrong and our brain starts to go down a negative thinking path, then we lose energy, we lose hope, we lose motivation. To be hopeless is to lose all motivation. Most of us, Can think of a time in our life when maybe there wasn't much hope. For maybe there's somebody in this room right now that hope seems a long way away. In fact, you maybe even had a hard time getting out of bed and getting to church this morning. Sometimes we lose hope when a person or an event or something that we put our hope in in doesn't work out the way we thought it would be. I could spend the next hour telling stories of times when I felt hopeless, and most of the time it's just a little, a little lack of hope, and so you, you work through it, but there have been a couple of times in my life when I didn't even want to get out of bed, Today's Jesus story is a story of hope. Hope that is lost and then found again. This week we were to read the last two chapters of Luke, Luke 23 and 24. And this is, in these two chapters, the story of Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension. And the disciples here are, uh, just to get a little context The disciples, they've been following Jesus for the last three years. They left everything behind. They saw Jesus do these amazing miracles, and they were amazed at His teaching, and they had gotten to be friends with Him, actually kind of developed, many of them, an intimate relationship with Jesus. They knew, at least probably 90% sure, that Jesus was the Messiah. Everything that He was doing seemed to say that, And they knew that the Messiah was going to come and restore Israel to its prominence. They knew that that's what Jesus was going to do. That he was going to restore the throne of David. That once again, Israel would be a a prominent power in the then known world. That Israel would then kick Rome out, being led by Jesus... They would rule, off they go. But something happened along the way. The Messiah was killed. The Messiah was crucified. Today I'm going to look at the story of the two people that walked to Emmaus. We've maybe heard this story before. Well, uh, we're going to look at it Today is kind of the focus of our message. So you have these two followers of Jesus. It's not any of the eleven apostles and they were on their way back to Emmaus. And Emmaus is a small town outside of Jerusalem. It's probably about seven miles away. It doesn't say why they were going back to Emmaus, but I imagine there was a sense of what do we do next? And maybe Emmaus was their hometown. I mean, we read here this last week ago that what did Peter do? Peter didn't know what to do, so he went fishing. Because that was what he did before. So maybe they were just on their way back to Emmaus because that was home. This Jesus, who they had been following for three years, was dead. So they were walking along, talking about all that happened on happened over the weekend. And then all of a sudden, Jesus came up and started walking with them. Luke says that they were kept from recognizing Jesus, so they had no idea it was Jesus. And Jesus said, Hey, so what are you talking about? And these two guys were kind of like, well, um, Were you not in Jerusalem? <laughs> Did you not hear all the commotion that was going on? I mean, Jerusalem was a big city, but still, I mean, word travels. I mean, you know, um, this Jesus of Nazareth, you, you didn't hear about Him? You know, He was the one doing miracles, and He had all these people following Him, and then there was this big thing where the the religious leaders brought Him before the the Roman leaders, and they... Had him pronounced guilty and was crucified. Were you not there? (laughs) And Jesus just listened. And then these two guys said this. They said, But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Their hope was in Jesus. Their hope was all that I talked about before, that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. But something happened. Jesus was killed. And as they're walking along, then they talked about something crazy that happened that day. I mean, this was Sunday, the day that Jesus rose again. And so they also told Jesus, so some of our women were at the tomb because they were going to take care of some things at the tomb. And they got there, and the tomb was open. The body was gone. There was a couple angels. They said Jesus was alive. You know, they're probably imagining things, but... Then, a couple of the other disciples, they ran to the tomb, especially Peter. Peter was one of them, and the tomb was empty. Now, these other guys, they didn't see Jesus or any of the angels, but um, could, could it be that maybe Jesus is alive? So They had lost hope because Jesus had been crucified, but yet there was this glimmer of hope at, Maybe something weird happened and Jesus was still alive. (laughs) Jesus responds in the only way Jesus seems to respond to us, calling us out of our error. How foolish you are, he says to these two guys. Now again, they don't know this is Jesus, this is just some guy they met on the road. And now this guy is saying, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophet's spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Isn't that what the prophets said? Then Jesus, walking with him, began to explain everything that was said about Jesus From Moses all the way through the prophets. It takes a while to walk seven miles. You can get the whole story. They got to Emmaus and Jesus kind of pretended like he was going to continue on. But these two guys were like, hey, hang with us. You know, it's, it's going to be... End of day soon, it's going to start getting dark, so why don't you just stay with us? So Jesus said yes, and so they invite Jesus in, and they're going to have a meal together. And then Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, he began to give it to them, then all of a sudden their eyes were opened they recognized it was Jesus, and then, poof, he was gone. How unfair is that? You know, you just... They, they even talked about in Luke here. He said, didn't our hearts burn when we were with him? So they, they knew something was different about this person, but here was the Messiah. And just when they recognized it was Jesus, Jesus goes... Later. So then they did what anybody would do when they found out that Jesus was alive. They went back to Jerusalem to seven miles. It isn't just a quick text or a quick phone call. It's not even an Uber. It's walking seven miles back to Jerusalem and they go to the 11 and the others that were with them. And they said, Jesus is alive. Can you imagine that seven mile walk? Okay, so for some of us, we can't even imagine walking seven miles. <laughs> but, but can you imagine... I mean, when you have the best news in the world, you want to tell somebody right now, and that's kind of a cool thing about our phones, we can text or call somebody right now. But they had to wait seven miles of walking, however long that took, before they could tell anybody, Jesus is alive. They have gone from a place of lost Hope to almost hope on steroids. What changed? They saw Jesus. Maybe something else changed. Remember in verse 21, but we had hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Remember that... The disciples were hoping that Jesus would liberate Israel from Rome, deliver them, take them out from under the oppression. You remember Palm Sunday, you know, palm branches, Hosanna, King of Kings. They wanted to anoint Jesus right there, King of If Jesus had been the one to redeem Israel, their problem was that he was killed by the Romans, and yet, because this plan was all messed up, all of a sudden, Jesus is alive, maybe they had their hope in the wrong thing. Now, their hope was in Jesus, the Messiah, correct, but their hope was... That Jesus was going to redeem Israel, bring Israel back to its prominence, but Jesus came for another reason. It's interesting because even as you read Luke's writing in Acts, you see in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, they still didn't get it. They gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, their focus was small. Their focus was just on Israel. It was on them. Now, um, you, know, you know, remember, you know, the disciples, how crazy they are. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how they were arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom of God, and here they are Trying to see when, if, how Jesus was going to restore the kingdom to Israel, maybe they were focused on the wrong thing. But stop, don't we we can't judge them. I mean sometimes it's easy to judge them or judge people from the past, but we wouldn't have done anything differently because we would have been raised just like them. From the time they were little, from the time that the stories of, from the Torah and from the prophets were told them, they were told that a Messiah was going to come, the Messiah was going to rescue and restore Israel, that the throne of David would be, the kingdom of David would be restored from the time they were young, they were told that it's plain and simple but Jesus came for so much more. What type, kind of redemption did Jesus bring? In verses 46, 47, 48 of Luke 24, Jesus says this, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins Will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. The redemption that the Messiah was bringing and did bring was repentance and the forgiveness of sins, not just for Israel, but for all nations. It's an eternal redemption, not a temporary redemption of a new king on the throne. It was the king of kings. The Apostle John says in John 1, 2, 2, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The hope is in Jesus, the Messiah, and it's in a way bigger thing than our little view. The disciples had lost hope because they had thought Jesus was just redeeming Israel. And Jesus was like, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm coming for it all. Luke says in Acts one eight. this is Jesus' response to the disciples when they ask if he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When we understand and live with the hope that Jesus has already redeemed the world, he has already atoned for our sins, our response is to tell the world. God's redemption is for all the earth. It's not just defeating the Romans. So my question for you today is where is your hope? Now, we can all give the Jesus answer today. My hope is in Jesus. It's a good answer. It's, It's what we say in church. But I wonder if sometimes our hope is a little off-kilter, just like the disciples. You see, if my hope is in what this world has to offer, I will be disappointed. If my hope is in a relationship, like between a boyfriend and a girlfriend or some other relationship, I will be disappointed. If my hope is in Jesus and money and possessions, I will be disappointed. If my hope is in power and control, I will be disappointed. If my hope is in politics, I will be disappointed. If my hope is being a part of a certain group at school or having a certain set of friends, my hope will be disappointed. My hope needs to be in Jesus and Jesus alone because he has redeemed the world. One of the reasons why I think the big C church, the church is divided now, maybe more than ever, um, is because we are put our hope in Jesus and. We all have our and, whatever it is. We all have our and, and if somebody removes our and, our hope goes down, or we fight back Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, says these words, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We worry about all this other stuff and we keep our, take our eyes off of Jesus. Jesus saying, hey, focus on my kingdom. I'll take care of everything else. I'll take care of the politics. Focus on me. I'll take care of the who has power and who doesn't have power. I'll take care of your finances. I'll, ta- I'll take care of it. Pursue, seek me and my kingdom. Put your hope there first. There, first, I'll take care of the rest. More than any time in our world, we need to be kingdom of God minded. Our focus needs to be on advancing the kingdom of God. And how do we advance the kingdom of God? We advance the kingdom of God by loving God and loving God. Others, We advance the kingdom by making disciples. We advance the kingdom by making disciples, by getting around unbelievers. This is what we're told to do. This is how we change our world. We change our world. It's already written here. We, we don't have to guess how to change the world. It's already written. Love God. Love others. Go make disciples. We do that. Our world will change. I sometimes feel like I need to apologize to some of you young people and young adults who are here. Um, And the reason why I say that is I think sometimes we adults get so focused on how bad the world is we forget to tell you It doesn't matter Jesus Is the king of kings Ephesians 1 Tells us this That God raised Jesus up And seated him in the right hand of God And he put all power All authority All dominion Under his feet He has authority over All of that so, I apologize to you, young people and young adults. If I communicate at any time, despair. We have nothing to be afraid of. We have nothing to despair. The stuff that Jesus and the disciples went through was way worse than we've even come close to. we have the hope of the world so the question to wrap things up real quickly is how then do we be kingdom of god minded first of all be connected with other followers of jesus not the crowd remember the crowd goes away when things get tough Be connected with other followers of Jesus. Be connected specifically with other followers of Jesus who are kingdom of God first type people. We're the body. We're to do this together. We're not to do this alone. We're in it together. Two, daily pick up your cross and follow Jesus. This means this journey with Jesus is a daily thing. Every day get up and say, "Hey Jesus, today it's me and you and whoever you bring around me and we're it's your kingdom. It's your kingdom. It's your kingdom. Today I am seeking first your kingdom." 3. Daily be in the word. Again, I told you easy, earlier how we change the world. Love God, love others, make disciples. It's in here. <laughs> be in your word daily. Daily, ask God to give you a kingdom of God mindset. It's going to take transformation. It's going to take renewing of your mind. Ask God to do that process. Last, give all your cares to Jesus. Like Eric said, when you put it in the Tupperware, just kick it out of here. Just get rid of it. And in closing, I'm going to read one of my favorite passages from Philippians 4. 4 through 9, this is what having a kingdom of God mindset looks like. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. First of all, Jesus, I just want to admit that sometimes... Um, I don't put my complete hope in you. I put my hope in you and something else. Forgive me for that. Help us to be a people that is solely focused on advancing your kingdom. Help us to be a people that is loving you, that is loving others, and that is intentionally making disciples. You say in your word that the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few, and that we're to pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, to bring forth laborers, and that's our prayer. Bring out the laborers. Bring out the laborers out of every church around the world that will go into the world and make disciples, that will go and advance your kingdom by loving people well, by teaching them well, by proclaiming your good news. I pray that, um, yeah, I just pray that there would be a wave of revival across the world, a a revival of people leaving the church pews and going into their communities and loving the unchurched really, really well. And empower us with your Spirit. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand for the benediction. And as you're standing for the benediction, just a reminder to sign up for volunteer stuff. There are places on the back tables and, there, and us as staff will be out there to, to chat with you. If you have any questions, um, please, please, please take some time to um, sign up and help us as we do what God has called us to do. All right, so let us receive the benediction. And now I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that he would enlighten the eyes of your heart, that you may know the hope he's called you to, that you may know the glorious inheritance that you have with all the saints, and that you may know his incredibly great power for us who believe the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God the Father above and over all authority and power and dominion. And all God's people said, Amen. Go in peace.